Ladies and gentlemen, live from coast to coast, we proudly present For Your Infilmation with Zach and John. What's up, you fucking monsters, and welcome to another episode of For Your Inflammation with Zach and John. I'm Zach. And I am John. And this week we're going to be looking at the 1931 film Frankenstein. In a segment that we're doing this month, we like to call Meet the Monsters. Ooh, the Monsters. In all their 1930s haze clothed glory. Like I said, for this week, we're going to be covering Frankenstein. Uh, so, is the Frankenstein in the title referring to the man or the monster? Uh, Frankenstein refers to the man. The monster's name is Jeffrey. I, I just made that up now. Oh, so we're just going to be calling him Jeffrey from now on. Yeah, he's Jeffrey from here on in. He's Jeffrey from here on in. He will be silenced no more. He has a name. The monster is his former name. It is now Jeff. He works in accounting, and he has a son. Yes. Whose name is also Jeffrey. Jeffrey Jr. Jeffrey Jr. Little JJ. Little mm-hmm. baby JJ. Gonna gonna bring the franchise back around, introduce a new character. Yes, a young Frankenstein, if you will. A young Frankenstein, which uh, we'll have to cover that one at some point as well. Um, I definitely think that watching young frankenstein is heightened by watching this version of frankenstein you think so oh yeah it's um because it's heavily heavily dependent on you seeing the movie for the parody to work otherwise it just kind of feels like a silly frankenstein movie but it's actually a really really brilliant parody i was pretty shocked to find out that like young frankenstein has such a high review like i think on imdb it may be like a 10 out of 10 like it is really really high last time i checked dude it is a great great film gene wilder at his manic best Mm, gotta love gene wilder r.i.p sir r.i.p so enough pleasantries let's get right into the shit we're gonna give you a history lesson and then we're going to give you a synopsis, and then we're going to talk a little scene-by-scene action. But before we can do any of that, we got to get our drink on. And for that, we have to go to my lovely co-host, John. Well, thanks for the introduction again. I'm sure Jeffrey would be so proud. Um, <laughs> I We can't take that noise out of context. I feel like you can just paste that in so many other places and get this horrible, horrible things happening. Um <laughs> So for this week's cocktail, I don't know. Before I saw the movie, I kind of had a preconceived notion on what I thought the Frankenstein movie was going to be. I thought that it was going to be more of like a mob chasing a monster who's like a total crazy maniac kind of movie. Like, you know, lumbering Frankenstein that you see in pop culture a lot. But what I got after watching the movie was something completely different. And I don't mean to get too far into like my breakdown of what I really thought about the movie this early on, but like I wanted to do something like it's big, it's bad, it's coming to get you and you're going to get fucked up. But like after it watching... sounds like you put a bunch of beef in, in the cocktail and I don't like that. I mean, if you shake the beef hard enough, won't it be cooked? I don't think that's how that works, but go on. Okay, okay. I was just trying to do physics. I'm trying to be a Frankenstein here. I'm trying to be a scientist. Mm. Maybe maybe I should just stick to being a booze scientist. Yes, a mixologist, if you will. 
So without keeping you waiting any longer, I wanted to do something a little bit more um, sentimental because that's really how I felt about this movie. Um, it was kind of sad and it gave me a lot of feelies and I liked it and it made me want to drink softly instead of hardly. Hardly? Do you ever hardly want to drink? Uh, I only hardly never not want to drink. All right, cool. So here's the cocktail for you. um this cocktail is comprised of lemon juice lime juice and strawberry syrup to go with your liquors um for those of you that don't know how to make syrups at home uh simple syrup is a good place to start you actually just take the same amount of sugar same amount of water so one part one part and you boil them together let it cool there's your simple syrup so you could take like a cup of sugar and a cup of water, mix them together. If you want to make other types of syrup, you have to put things into the water and sugar while it's boiling. So you may just want to boil this stuff first and add the sugar later. That's what I did. So I just took like uh, maybe 10 ounces of water and um, a little more than 10 ounces of strawberries just to get the effect. Uh, boiled it together, strained it out real good, and then added two tablespoons of sugar later. You could probably add a little bit more sugar, but I figure if I wanted more sweet, I could just add more simple syrup later on. So the recipe is as follows. Uh, You're going to take one and a half ounces of lemon juice, three quarter ounce of lime juice, three ounces of strawberry syrup, three ounces of London dry gin, and one and a half ounces of dry vermouth. And you're going to take all those things and you're going to shake them or stir them in a mixing glass. Uh, You can do a mixing glass or a tumbler if you're going to shake it. Either way is good. If you really like gin, I recommend stirring it because you tend to get a little bit more of kind of the botanical notes on the gin, a little bit more citrus forward uh, on the nose at least. And if you were to shake the gin, it tends to subdue those upper level flavors that you get, those more astringent notes you get from the gin uh, that make you think like pine, juniper, you know, all that stuff that you normally get. So uh, when you mix this together, you're going to have two glasses there. This is a drink for two because everyone needs a fucking friend. And if you don't have any friends, maybe you can just drink both and forget you don't have any friends. Or pretend like your podcast friend is your real friend. I I feel a little attacked right now. <laughs> Who is it about? Me or you? Anyway. Right. Wait. You're talking about, never mind. No, we're, we're getting <laughs> off the okay. So then you're going to strain the cocktail into the two glasses after placing a few mint leaves in the bottom of the cups. So for me, I use champagne flutes because I'm classy. Uh, if you don't have that, if you want to do this in a solo cup, first off, who are you? Uh, and second off, uh, I guess you're allowed to do that. Again, it's a free country. And if you're Toby Keith, I guess you have enough money for all those red solo cups that you're using. Right. Have you ever seen the one that's like a novelty solo cup on a stem like a wine glass? Uh, that is exclusively sold at Walmart, by the way, for uh, profiling reasons, I suppose. I understand why. I do. So uh, you'll strain it out on top. Uh, nothing else needed. The only garnish is the mint leaves in the glass. Uh, and what you get is something that's really kind of like sweet and floral and kind of fruit forward flavors that blend together. It's kind of tart, kind of sweet. Um, it's a really nice cocktail. And I called it Maria's Garden. Ooh. Named after poor little Maria. Yes, the saddest. The saddest of the sad scenes. We'll come to that, and I will let you know all of my little heartfelt things that I'm feeling about this movie. Thank you, John. That sounds like a very nice, like a maybe easing into fall kind of drink. It is. It's a good late summer thing. Uh, If you like to make drinks at parties, you may or may not have all this stuff available, but uh, I think people would appreciate it. I think if you really wanted to scale it up and make it into a punch, you could probably do that, but I don't know why you would make a gin and vermouth punch. It's more like a martini than a punch, considering... Just take the vermouth out, leave the gin, and then just put a shit ton of vodka in it. 
that works too. Take some grain alcohol, maybe a little bit of Everclear. You know, you feel like you're getting a little, uh, getting pretty turned tonight on this Maria's Garden cocktail. <laughs> or a Maria's Garden punch, I guess, is its variant. Uh, um, yeah, don't do that. Don't just don't do that. And you know, I'm really happy that you made a gin drink because it seems like not enough people like gin. No. Like anytime I go to a liquor store, it's like they they have like wall to wall gin. Like they can't get rid of this shit. Yeah, and it's kind of a shame because there's a lot you can do with gin, and a lot of classy cocktails call for gin. I think people just get kind of scared of it. You know, they like try it once, maybe twice. They a lot of times maybe they're shooting it, or maybe they're just trying to drink it mm-hmm. in a poorly made like gin and tonic. And that, there is so much to gin. You got to get out of your basic stuff. Like London Dry Gin is really good and it's useful in cocktails. But if you want to get to know gin a little better, you got to branch out. You got to get like some American gin, some French gin. Uh, a couple other things that are going to be a little bit more, um, I want to say herbal, citric, stuff yeah. that's going to have a little bit more of a palatable flavor. That, that's the stuff that you're really going to want to get into. If you want to get to know gin at its core level, it's like drinking tequila. Like people get upset about tequila, but all they've ever drank is Jose Cuervo Especial. Yeah, or Patron. Patron is shit, people. I'm sorry to let you know, but it's shit. Yeah, it's definitely not worth the money it costs. No, for sure not. I mean, it's it's really a step above Jose Cuervo. Why don't we dig right into the movie? Uh, Frankenstein, filmed in 1931. The same year as Dracula, believe it or not. It just came out in November rather than February. Um, well, released... there's a reason for that. Oh, okay. Well, uh, it was November 21st. You had a lot of time between the two. Uh, what was their reasoning? Dra- uh, Frankenstein wasn't even on Universal's docket for that year. It was only put into fast production because of how successful Dracula was. Hmm. Uh, They didn't know that Dracula was going to be as popular as it was. At the time, Universal was $2 million in debt. But as soon as Dracula was released and it made $700,000 in its initial run, Universal was like, make these monster movies. Do it now. Make as many as you can. People are coming in droves to see this shit. And so they did. And they actually greenlit a couple other ones other than Frankenstein, but this was the first one to be put into full production. Interesting. Okay, so this kind of plays off what we were talking about last time with the whole cinematic universe thing and how when you have one film or maybe a couple of films that do really, really well, it seems to follow that there will be other movies in that vein that kind of come out of the woodwork maybe as a cash grab. But I mean, when you have a successful cinematic universe, it seems like there's a lot of enjoyment there as well. Well, and people like seeing that. People like seeing, you know, movies that take place in the same universe because it's like, oh, I can connect this to this or I can connect this to this, even though that was never the intention whatsoever. These like these monsters have been written like over the course of time, like they weren't written by the same person. Like, you know, Marvel is written all by the same people at, you know, Marvel. That sounded stupid. But um You know, so these were all by different authors and, you know, became plays and then they became movies. And only because of how successful Dracula was, that's why the monster movies came to be. See, and they definitely ran with that. I know uh, they had the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Dracula all make many, many appearances together. Uh, The Mummy also comes in as well later on. And you have films where they're just fighting each other like it's a Godzilla monster smasher movie. Oh, it was definitely, they definitely wanted the American Godzilla because Mm. Godzilla was also doing pretty big numbers in the States. That's true. So when they saw that they could put all their monsters together, it was just a big 
big thing, big deal. Yeah, and of course, you know, Godzilla coming along a little later. I think there actually was a movie slated where there was going to be Godzilla versus Frankenstein, but I mean, I don't really see how that's logistically possible. I think they scrapped it and turned it into King Kong versus Godzilla, if memory serves. Which is a much better concept, because unless Frankenstein was going to grow a whole bunch, I don't really see how Frankenstein's going to fight Godzilla. However, I'd love to see it. Like, is he going to climb Godzilla? Going back to the Dracula connection, Bela Lugosi actually wanted to play Dr. Frankenstein in the film. Uh, He said that he thought that that was his next move in American cinema. However, he was offered the part of the monster, a.k.a. Jeff. Mm, Jeffrey. Mm, Jeffrey. And after the makeup test, he actually declined the role. He said, I am a star in my country. I won't come here to be a scarecrow. And it turns out that his leaving the project might not have even been his own doing. James Whale came came over to the States from England as a director and yanked the current director of Frankenstein, Robert Flory, to the curb. They, uh, he, James Whale came over from England and they said, you can have any one of these movies, and he picked Frankenstein. Hmm. So, Which actually turned out to make this the movie that we know and love today. Because in Flory's original script, he had made Frankenstein uh, an unsympathetic character. He was just like an evil killing machine that had to be stopped but whale came in and made the monster more human much more like mary shelley's original novel interesting that's what i thought i was gonna get coming into this i thought i was going to get a monster that was like running amok and they had to go stop him and like not necessarily that he was just a killing machine but that he was not a sympathetic character that he didn't really feel and that he was something to be feared in any sense of the word but that's not really what we got he he's supposed to be feared because he he's unknown like he's unpredictable he he has he has a he has an abnormal brain the mm. brain of a murderer like he like and but in like a childlike way almost i suppose like like i get very childlike feelings from like watching frankenstein i do like too. he like, it seems like he's just, like, a big baby that doesn't realize he's killing things until after he's done it. Yeah, I see that. I think I keep going back to the Maria scene, but, like, I completely see what you mean. It's almost like he has to be retaught. Like, he wants to be raised. He wants to be fostered. He wants to be almost parented in some ways, but he doesn't get it because people look at him and they see a monster. But what they don't see is this, like, infantile mind inside of this body. Exactly, because he just, he looks like a zombie. And, you know, which was also, uh, ironically, as I found out, uh, you couldn't say zombie under the Hays Code for whatever reason. Maybe it had, like, more voodoo implications, or it implied the raising of the dead could be, like, blasphemous? That's what I would assume, but I just thought that was interesting. Sorry, I just thought of that. At any rate, we are almost done with this history lesson, guys, I promise. And then we'll get right into the monsters. Florley and Lugosi were actually given the film Murders in the Rue Morgue as a consolation for getting bumped from Frankenstein. I've heard of this, and I want to see that movie now. Yeah, it's supposed to be pretty good. I don't think I've ever seen it, actually. Mm, hey, concept. Yeah, concept. To round this all off, uh, Bela Lugosi actually did end up playing Frankenstein. He played Frankenstein and Frankenstein meets the werewolf 
werewolf. That is true. That is 100% true. And we had another guy playing Dracula in those movies instead of Bela Lugosi as well. Yeah, so very strange how they uh, shuffled their actors around here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Much like, uh, I guess, how someone else played the Incredible Hulk other than the guy that ends up playing him in all the Avengers movies. That's true. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, I think. Or kind of like the dispute that they had with Sony and they had to move the Spider-Man actors around quite a bit. So this movie had an original theme by Bernard Kahn. And I thought that that was really, really cool for the time. I mean, I remember Dracula using the Tchaikovsky Swan Lake theme as its intro and its theme. And I thought that that was good. I thought that was fitting. I thought it was atmospheric and like it calls on things. It like invokes the power of other things that people are familiar with. This one was original. Yeah, this was written for the film, and I think that's because they probably greenlit a bigger budget for this movie. You could tell by looking at the sets. Hmm. Like, they put a lot of money into these sets. They did, and they at least had a lot more experience doing them. I mean, a dollar for a dollar, I think the budgets were more or less similar. Frankenstein might have actually been a little less if I look at the numbers, but they certainly knew what they were doing. Like Dracula went off without a hitch. It went so well, despite their like drawbacks and it just blew up. So now they've got all this other stuff. They have the stuff on the universal backlots that they're able to use for the newer movies. And like you said, they dropped a director in there who was really excited to get on the project. Yeah. I mean, and, Anybody would want to work on these monster movies because it meant cash money. It was a license to print money. Like as soon as they got out of the financial hole that they were in, Universal, I mean, that this was going to be a big deal. Like they could just keep making these movies because yeah. uh, people were also stupider back then, and they'll go see like thirty some odd movies. You could you could put the same movie on, and as a matter of fact, they did. Because back then they didn't have home video, so they would re-release movies every couple of years. Like so, Dracula I think had a re-release in 1934, and that's where all the infamous cuts came from that we talked about last week. And uh, those mm-hmm. were unfortunately lost to time. Not the same with Frankenstein. Yeah, Frankenstein there were fewer had some cuts. cuts. There were fewer cuts, which is odd because it's a much more violent movie than Dracula. But then again, I guess we don't know that because a lot of Dracula is lost to time. That's true. Um, I think with with the concept of having a movie that re-releases and like it's something weird today because we have so much content on demand but at the time like you said there was no home video uh if you knew someone that had the technology or the ability to do this you were a millionaire like it was really really well and you couldn't really do it without having a home projection room which most people didn't and even like this like you know super eight cameras that could play you know some movies in your home those still didn't even exist so you couldn't even watch film reels at home like this was even before video cassette, guys. Like this is this is real shit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, talkies were new. Um, having cinema that had a soundtrack was new, and it was a show. Like it was something that you would go to see the same way that you would go and see a play. Because I mean, twenty years before this, that's pretty much what you had. Or you had like the weird slideshow, picture show things that were like not reminiscent of like '30s talkies. Like they were not even close to the same thing. And it yielded a lot for them. I mean, you had to go see it while you could. And if you couldn't see it, you had to wait for it to come back. I mean, in the first week, they made like $53,000 back of their $300,000 budget. Exactly. Imagine living in a world where people probably actually paid more to see Frankenstein than they would have a Broadway play. Yeah. Or maybe imagine that. 
even if it was comparable, like that's insane. Like nowadays, like now it's a novelty to see live production, which that applies to a lot more than just film. Like that's music and that's theater and that's that's a lot of stuff. But like it was just the way of the world back then, you know? And you know, so I guess to really put it in perspective, imagine paying Hamilton prices to watch, I don't know, any fucking movie. Like Avengers Endgame, maybe. Like Avengers Endgame. Think think paying $800 to see Avengers Endgame. You wouldn't do that. No, People back in 1930? Not. Absolutely. Yeah, and I, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't quite as expensive for them, but I mean, there was also more live entertainment out there. I mean, every restaurant, every bar had a house band, or maybe not everyone, but like that was way more common, and there were more performers in the world. So, I mean, there was more work to be had, but maybe it wasn't worth as much when you actually got them. And I mean, heck, today you have a lot of bands that play in bars basically for free. So, I mean, we're getting a little off base with this whole thing, but as performers ourselves, I feel like it's like something that we have never really been able to escape, or at least I haven't, you know, where... I heard like my grandparents talk about how, yeah, we used to go out and there used to be like bands. There used to be like bars with bands. Everywhere had live music because recorded music was kind of a novelty for a long time. So you had a disc jockey if you were lucky, but if you didn't, live music was your only option. Yeah, like, I mean, like you said, even music, like music was a not recorded music was a novelty. I didn't know that. I thought that was like, as soon as that started happening, people were like, oh, this is it now. I don't have to go to, I don't have to go to the opera to see Frank Sinatra. Automation killing American jobs. Well, killing Frank Sinatra's job. Mm, mm. So that's why he was in those plays. Anyway. (laughs) So uh, going back to your comments on how Frankenstein was a little bit more shocking, a little bit more violent, uh, censorship did influence the release of the film. Uh, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts all had holdups with things in the film. They had to have edited versions, if like my research is correct. And Ireland banned the film completely. Yeah, Ireland f- banned the film outright because they could not classify it. Like they, they, they couldn't basically like, have you ever seen something where it's like, you can't recommend it to someone like I, like this movie is horrible and I can't recommend it to you. Like they don't, they didn't even want to recommend this movie for adults. Yeah. That's what happened there. So it, it just got rejected by their classification system, but it did get overturned four months later. I mean, still having a movie banned for four months. I mean, again, in the age of information, that's unthinkable. You can go on the internet and like download whatever you want. So if you're into pirating movies, if there's a movie that's banned, well, congrats. Just ask the right guy on a forum and he'll point you in the right direction. Just be careful if any of you guys are doing that. I'm sure you already know, but if you actually can get in a lot of trouble for having a banned material. Uh, it's not as much as a, of a big deal in the United States because I don't think any films or games or music has been outright banned from this country. Yeah, it's been a long time since anything like that's happened. It's very, very rare. Honestly, when things are that bad, they're usually just hard to find. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if, like you, you'll never see a physical copy of a game like that's rated AO or adults only. You'll never see that in a store. However, NC-17 movies, you will find from time to time in, like, older movie shops. Yeah, I guess there's more of a demand for them. I don't know. I guess adult video gaming is a whole other thing that we don't really need to get into right now. Absolutely not. It's horrifying. So the cast from this film was uh, some returnees from Universal Films, but some maybe not so much. Uh, Henry Frankenstein, played by Colin Clive, uh, famous from The Journey's End, 1930. Uh, Elizabeth, played by Mae Clark, who had a couple of appearances in movies, actually quite a few if you go 
through the whole filmography, but she also played in General Hospital. Like the soap opera? Yeah. When when did that start? Uh, 60s. Oh, Jesus yeah. Christ. Okay. It's a long running show, turns out. I don't think I've actually intentionally watched any of it, but it's run for a really long time. Maybe we need to do like a deep dive on General Hospital at some point. I don't know. Maybe that's a little outside of our reach here. Um, Absolutely not. Like I, At that point, there's like what? tens of thousands of episodes i i can't i wouldn't even know where to start yeah uh i'm sure there's the greatest hits reel i, I don't know we, i don't care so victor moritz is played by john bulls and of course dr waldman played by edward van sloan a returnee from dracula 1931 uh and other universal films uh fritz which is you know henry frankenstein's assistant played by dwight fry again a returnee from dracula 1931 uh he seems to have a thing for playing like unstable characters yeah he got typecasted into this role and he never quite recovered it recovered from it i see i see the monster though uh believe it or not in the opening title cards is uncredited uh it's not it's not until the end of the movie that they credit the monster as boris karloff which i forgot about that and i was just like so why why did they expect people to think like oh maybe Maybe the monster's real. Oh, no. Like, like his name's on the poster. Yes. I didn't think about that. Yeah, like, so, like, who who are they fooling? I don't know. Maybe people who don't know how to read. But, I mean, if you don't know how to read, you're not going to read the end title card anyway. That's true. I mean, I I mean, I guess a lot of people couldn't read it this time. But, like, like yeah, then, then who who's this for? His name's knows? on the poster. Maybe it was just like an entertainment thing. Maybe like, again, Age of Information. If you want to know who's in a movie, you can find out in 10 seconds by just looking up Google on your phone. But then I guess it was a little different. I think maybe like the value of entertainment was higher then. Like, again, you had to go out of your way to see these movies. So like when you see something like that, it's like, oh, who's that? Uh, I don't know. Maybe people were just a little bit more entertained by it. Perhaps maybe it was scarier like... You know, for the entire movie, you can actually pretend that this thing is real. Maybe so. Uh, theater of the mind? Uh, suspension of disbelief, maybe? I don't know. I don't know. So the critical reception was overwhelmingly positive for this movie you know dracula was slightly mixed in some points but mostly positive this one really didn't have many drawbacks critically uh even today it holds a 7.8 out of 10 on imdb and a rotten Tomatoes score of 100 percent and i i agree that this this movie if you haven't seen it i i do implore you if you watch any of these monster movies watch this one it it's still entertaining by today's standards to me and i i don't know if maybe it's just because you know this movie is so good that it's parodied everywhere. It almost has that thing where you watch an older movie that you think you've never seen before and you watch it and you feel like you've already seen it because it's just been parodied and lampooned and referenced, you know, in so much other parts of culture and media. So that's how I, that's what I felt about it. But like watching it, it's you get where all those references are coming from. It's because this is great. It really is. It's a cinematic masterpiece. It's beloved and it's like held up over time. And that, that's something you don't get from all of these movies. Uh, Dracula, of course, being an exception. Frankenstein, I guess we'll see with the other movies. But I mean, I it's like a Gone with the Wind type thing almost. Everybody knows about Frankenstein's monster. Or Jeff. Jeff. Oh, please, please forgive me. Jeffrey, our sweet boy. Our, our, our sweet, sweet boy. Who's not green, by the way. Uh, no, he's not. Yeah. He's... <laughs> That, that, that was another random little tidbit that I forgot to throw in earlier. You know, most people think Frankenstein is green. He's kind of green on the poster for this movie, but uh, he was actually just flesh-colored. Yeah, and, just the uh, same color as Boris Karloff's own face. Honestly, you know what? To me, that makes more sense 
because in the beginning of the film, Dr. Frankenstein actually digs him up it like as soon as he's been buried so he wouldn't have decayed that much he wouldn't be green yet and even if he was going to turn colors it would probably be like a weird like bluish purpley bruised color it probably wouldn't be green like i i don't know that i've ever seen a corpse turn actual green not that i've been around that many corpses i guess i i guess if he's part of uh part of the gangrene Ooh, oh so it's like a woo green gang i don't know i really tried there i i really tried i tried a little too hard too let's move on <laughs> all right so this is the fun part of the film where we tell you a little bit about it uh not that we haven't been talking about it but we're going to walk you through it i'm going to give you a synopsis which if you don't know what a synopsis is read a book or at least read the little thing that's wrapped around the outside of the book or on the back of the book or it's probably a picture book if this is your first book so uh just read the goddamn thing of course <clears throat> a mad scientist named henry frankenstein and his assistant fritz rob graves and universities to collect human parts for experimentation henry's friends and fiance become worried about him and they pay him a visit at his remote laboratory upon arrival they discover his wild and genius experiments regarding the nature of life and witness him bring a grotesque monster made from reassembled human parts back from the dead unable to control the monster henry's colleagues attempt to destroy it but they fail the creature escapes and he wanders the countryside in search of meaning and belonging. The creature doesn't know its own strength and accidentally kills a child while learning to play. Disturbed and confused, the monster seeks out his own creator, but is unwanted and misunderstood. The townsfolk learn of the monster's presence and chase him through the countryside in an angry mob. The chase reunites the monster and Henry Frankenstein, and Frankenstein is taken to a secluded windmill. The townsfolk continue to chase and burn the windmill with the monster still inside. Somehow, Frankenstein survives his fall from the windmill, and lives to marry his fiance. Beautiful, beautiful storytelling. Um, Tried to put on my best Vincent Price there, I guess. I could do a little bit more like this if I really wanted to be a good Vincent Price. That's actually scary good. Mm, hey, maybe I have a career in that. Maybe I have a career as a Vincent Price impersonator. Oh, you're going to have to get in line, man. Oh, yeah? Because you, you'll be in line with a guy that could do Vincent Price, Porky Pig... Bender from Futurama, you know, like all of them. I so, wouldn't know nothing about doing no uh, goddamn uh, impersonations or nothing. Oh, is that Hank Hill? Do we have Hank Hill on the line? Uh, not today, we don't. Uh, we're going to have uh, to save that one for another time. Okie dokie. All right, well, let, let's dig in here a little bit to this um, to this feast that mm. has been given to us by the uh, Universal Gods. Um, yes. Universal Gods sounds like uh, what the Universal Life Church represents. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of them, or maybe it's just a lot of parts of the same thing, kind of like Frankenstein, a lot of parts of the same thing. Which I wanted to talk about, like, they say it's made up from different parts, like, is it the only different part of the brain? And also, I, I want to bring up my, my thing from earlier, where it's like, they dug him up after he was just buried. Yes. How how is his brain not good well i think maybe it's the preservation i don't know maybe it needed like a like a scientist's touch to effectively remove the brain from the body whereas if you had just a dead guy i mean you would either have to take the whole head or you would have to do the brain removal yourself i guess so but was the brain that they put in there not also dead uh, like so, so i i guess i just don't understand like there's a couple of things i don't understand like logic wise why it happens maybe um, when you're playing with this type of thing logic isn't like the number one thing like it's more about what i can do and not what i should be doing 
we're all about coulda, not shoulda. Anyway, so um, Fritz and Frankenstein gleefully, almost a little too gleefully, take this uh, this big ass body back yes. to back to the lab. I refuse to believe that the, like Fritz picked this shit up. I would be really entertained by this movie being like re-released in its current black and white form but with a modern soundtrack kind of like they did with that weird Nosferatu thing where they did like the gothic industrial music and it had like a really creepy kind of vibe to the music to go along with it but I want to see Queens Don't Stop Me Now to them digging up these graves and just like throwing body parts together and just like don't stop me no and he's just like throwing shit together and like sewing body parts together just having a spectacular time i very interesting song choice i i i can't say that i would have thought of that it opens with tonight i'm gonna have myself a real good time <laughs> i'm gonna dig up the bodies of the recently deceased Hopefully no one stuck around too long at the funeral. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're being watched by Skeletor, I guess. They just set up in the <laughs> freaking... Yeah, it's just like this random skeleton thing in the graveyard with them. Like, I don't know if that's supposed to be like a decoration or like some kind of like a really weird headstone, but like, it's huge. And it's, it's just ginormous. there. Like, what is that? Like, maybe that was... It's It has to be a headstone. Like, I, I know it's not a character. No, but it looks like a Halloween decoration. It doesn't look like a headstone. Well, I mean, it only looks like a Halloween decoration because, you know, like, Walmart and Spirit Halloween stores have just, like, reproduced, like, cheesy-looking shit like that for, like, decades and decades. Uh, Back then, that would have been fucking scary. So maybe I just got my cart before the horse here. Like, like, it looks like a cheesy decoration, not because it is one, but because the cheesy decorations are based on this. Yeah, I, I would say so. Huh. Like, like, you know, like, um, I, I would specifically point to how the walls of the Frankenstein layer look as opposed to looking at like, you know, like those, those like, like temporary wallpapers you can put on your house. Oh yeah. It's like, like a rat for your car. Like dungeon. Yeah. 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 Or like your phone or like your game console or whatever. You know, there's a whole business around putting a wrap on your car to advertise for other businesses, and you're just hoeing out your car for ad space? You know that's a thing? Uh, yeah, you can also get tattoos of different people's logos, and they'll pay you money, like, either all up front or throughout your lifetime. Interesting. Can I hoe out my casket as ad space? I, I think that you would have to assume that you're going to be some sort of uh, famous person that people are going to want to see your casket for all times, and then it's on the inside just, you know... Seagram 7. Uh, no, I'm thinking more of like an adamandeve.com. Like an adamandeve.com? Yeah, of course, where you too can get 50% off your first purchase with our link. Uh, we don't have a link, but I mean, when I'm dead, I'm going to have a link, I guess. <laughs> Deadwood 50 for 50% off your first purchase. <laughs> Deadwood. Oh, God. So you were talking earlier about stealing the brain. I thought that that was a really funny part where Fritz actually breaks into the university. This also like introduces Edward Van Sloan as Dr. Waldman. He does a really good job uh, in this movie as well as Dracula. And I just I thought it was funny how he just like he's constantly fucking up like he got the wrong brain. Yeah. Like so his death is completely his fault. And I feel like Fritz, like, he wants to be, I don't know, friends with Henry Frankenstein? Like, he wants to, like, please his master? It's almost like he's, like, Frankenstein senpai. Like, this is, like, an anime or something. Yeah, um, I'm very confused as to what the Fritz and uh, Henry Frankenstein relationship is. Like, are they old friends? Did he pick him up from, like, a psych ward? Did he pick him up from, like a, like, a circus? Like, where did he get this guy? 
uh, maybe Henry Frankenstein was a couple grades ahead of him, and Fritz was like, ooh, Frankenstein Kuhn, and then, you know, it just turned into, like, an anime love story. Mm, I don't like the way you described that. I've seen I've seen how Yowie ends. Uh, um, I, I don't need to know anymore. I don't need to think anymore after that. Like, just stop my <laughs> take my brain and put it in the Frankenstein now. That, no, 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 because then that's going to be on my mind when you put it in the Frankenstein, and things are going to end very poorly. Uh, must kill. Don't want to think about gay anime. <laughs> so it's kind of like an Animal House thing where he's breaking into a sorority house, but it turns out to be like a like a morgue or a lecture hall or something. I don't know. I guess so. But so yeah, so he fucks up. He steals the abnormal brain mm. instead of the 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 good good brain. I the guess <laughs> no sticks and stems in the good good brain. <laughs> exactly. Um. Uh. The castle makes an appearance almost immediately after, and it's like a focal point for the rest of the film, I guess. It's more like a watchtower than a castle, I guess, right? You say that like you saw it on Zillow or Trulia and then got there and were really disappointed about how they misadvertised the thing. Like, this is more of a watchtower than a castle. (laughs) You You better knock 250 off that rent, buddy. Man, I feel so bad for Frankenstein because he was probably trying to find this layer for weeks and then he finally got the right deal. He got the move-in package. He got his uh, first and last month's rent together and then he shows up because there's no pictures. He doesn't have an iPhone and it's not a full castle. It's just a watchtower. But maybe that's just what he needed because he needs to he needs to be able to get on the roof. And so, I mean, and that's a weird question to ask a realtor. Like, uh, so, you know, it's got, it's got two bedrooms. It's got two bathrooms, you know couple stairs a big big attic yes does the attic have a hole in it uh no what a weird question you strange man i'm going to ask for three months rent it's like that weird scene from squidbillies where like you like they just sit down on each other through the hole in the floor but like it's like reverse where one of them's up on top and just like sticking their hands through or something i'm so happy we fit a squidbillies reference in here I mean, Squidbillies is the Frankenstein of Adult Swim shows. Squidbillies is the Oedipus of oh, fucking, <laughs> fucking Adult Swim shows. Don't, not enough. So people, many not ways. enough people watch Squidbillies, or they watch it but they don't admit it. We cannot keep talking about Squidbillies right now. Okay, fine. I I will postpone making this a Squidbillies only podcast for another week longer. Oh my god! Uh, for your Squid <laughs> filmation. For your, for your squid filmation. Disgusting. I can't believe that we've done this. So he <laughs> makes the monster. He puts the pieces together. He probably had a lot of decisions to make. Like, if I'm being honest, like, I mean, who, how am I going to do the face? Like, am I going to have one face or, like, two faces? Am I going to have, like, big hands, long hands? Do they both have to be man hands or woman hands? They have to be, like... Well, there's a whole other movie called Frankenstein Created Woman, so I guess Frankenstein has a dick, too, in that case. Like, what dick does he pick? Does he give Frankenstein a big old dick? Um, I mean, if I was going to create a man, I would definitely give him a big old dick. I, I mean, I want my son to procreate and bring joy to the world, so I would definitely give him a... Not, not, like, not like a honker, but like probably like a, you know, like a nice, good average, maybe a little above average. So, uh, I just... Is this the dilemma that, like actual deities go through when they're making people and they're like i can't just give everybody a big dick because then nobody has a big dick 
Well, wouldn't the fair thing to do be give everyone a big tick and then it doesn't matter? Well, that's no. the thing. If you're going to do that, then you could just do it whatever and it doesn't matter if everybody's truly equal. But, like, come on. We're not we're not a benevolent god here. We're Dr. Frankenstein. I don't even think he's a doctor yet. I think he's, like, a grad student. No, he's, he dropped out of school. So he dropped out of grad school to go put body parts together in a random watchtower? Yeah. He he goes to play God in a random watchtower. I, uh, I goodbye. I, I just I can't. <laughs> the, the the deeper you dig into the premise of this movie, the weirder it gets. Just like why? I, like I don't he, know. Like he he was so so convinced that like if I just put some electricity on a dead body, that should bring it back to life. And then like he had no plan after that. Like what what was he gonna do afterwards? Like he 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 makes his old professor come watch him, you know, play with the with the monster. Oh, I'm you can't sorry, just Jeffrey. say play with the monster after talking about Frankenstein's big old dick. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jeffrey's the man, but the monster's the dick. Oh my god! See, Frankenstein's <laughs> gonna go to school and he's gonna wear that one shirt that people have that just says "Big Dick" on campus. Hell yeah! And he's gonna and- be like a legacy student at the fraternity. <laughs> He's only there to be in the fraternity. He's not in any actual classes. No, of course not. I just, ugh. I feel like um, your boy Colin Clive has some real big hands, though. Like, I feel like they're perfect for turning those gothic winches and raising the platform up to the roof. Hell yeah. It's it's a full package. Like, the castle looks really good. Castle, quote unquote. The the layer looks really good. Like you were saying, like, the fittings are top notch. The, the set's pretty good. Like, it's all really, really well done. Yeah, and um, the sparks that are coming off of the thing, actual sparks, hmm. <laughs> actually almost set um, Boris Karloff's stunt double on fire. Nice. I mean, it probably wouldn't be the first time that that's happened. I feel like Boris Karloff finds himself in a lot of situations throughout these movies that are really compromising for a stunt double. Oh, yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Boris Karloff, just, just a big guy, just a big, lovable lug. Mm. So... Frankenstein's dad is the baron of the local town, and he kind of wonders where his son's at, I guess, so he goes to visit, right? The, his fiance is asking where he is. You know, he's acting strange. He's not talking to me. I still want to marry him. And the dad's like, yeah, let's get you married. We'll we'll go over there. We'll go talk to him. And then I guess uh, Frankenstein's friend, uh, what's his name again? Um, Victor. He's like, no, he's very, very hard at work. And then the fiance and the dad are like, fuck you, Victor. And then they go anyway. If only they would have listened to Victor. I also feel like Victor was hitting on Elizabeth there for a little while. Um, I noticed that too, but it kind of seems like it drops on and off. Like, it, do- it doesn't seem like it's always happening. Like, if I didn't know that this movie had already been written and, like, the story had already been written, it would seem like they kind of went back and forth on uh, either killing Frankenstein and letting, you know, oh, fuck. My brain died. Edit point. You know, it seems like they were te- it would seem as if they were teetering back and forth between letting Frankenstein live or not, and letting Victor keep Elizabeth. Like it seemed very strange. Like almost like Elizabeth and Victor had like a like a childhood friendship. I see that. I see that. Almost like in uh, oh god, what's that movie with Christian Bale and she pretends to die or runs away and then frames him for murder and then uh, Neil Patrick Harris is like her childhood friend and she just like stabs him again and like oh gone girl yeah 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 gone girl like gone girl but with less blood and less christian bale's ass yeah for for a dead guy uh frankenstein doesn't have a lot of blood 
I guess they leave that no. all to Dracula. Yeah, I, I see that. I think he's more of a blunt force trauma type guy. Oh, okay. He's more of a he's more of a berserker mode kind of guy, you know. He's uh he's the he's the juggernaut, if you will. He is the juggernaut of the group of the RPG. I guess we really should have like a monsters RPG. Yeah, like just like they're making that uh Avengers RPG game. I think I think the Universal Monsters deserve their own RPG game. I, I think they do. Uh, if not a video game, I would want to see a tabletop. Ooh yeah. Maybe a sweet homebrew from someone on Reddit who's got way too much time on their hands. Get on it, Reddit. Honestly, are we not on Reddit? We're not on uh, Reddit. We're not on Reddit. We'll get on Reddit one day. Uh, Reddit will hate us so, so much. It's okay, though. I hate me as well. Mm. So uh, this is the point where um, Dr. Waldman actually takes over the Frankenstein monster project and tries to, like, put an end to the monster. They tranquilize him. Uh, This whole situation works out really poorly for everyone. I feel like Henry's dad, the Baron, comes at the worst possible time, which is a trope that exists in real life. Like, it's always like your parents come to see what you're doing at the worst possible time. (laughs) Like what you're doing some real weird shit yeah or like i'm at school and like i just failed like two tests and it's like oh they're like your parents decide they're gonna show up for the weekend and visit and you're like "Ah, i don't know go away don't look at me right now (laughs) don't look at me in my failure what are all those twizzlers doing here i don't know you're not putting those in your butt again aren't you no Um... (laughs) it's it's not halloween yet you can't do whatever you want with the candy john twizzlers you can go anywhere you want, any time of the year. So in my mouth only on Halloween. Okay, got it. We're moving on from this. So <laughs> okay, the monster gets away. Is I guess he's smart enough to evade the doctor. He figures out what's going on. I don't know. Maybe it was luck. Maybe it's like some kind of weird survival instinct. Who knows? Um, and he gets out. This is where things start moving. The plot starts rolling a little bit. Frankenstein goes back to Mary Elizabeth. The monster goes romping through the countryside looking for people and things and just experiences i guess yeah he's he's just wants to see the world like he's he's taking his uh his europe vacation in between college and the real world ah uh, yes a little bit of a band wilder going on there yes and you know he he meets a, just a bunch of people um most notably uh little maria uh this scene i just this is almost the climax of the film in some ways because i know it's not like super action-packed it's not like a i guess it is a plot development point but like he meets the girl the girl accepts him maria understands him a little bit and she's not scared of him even though he's big and he probably smells like literal death and has no idea how to speak but like she accepts him and she takes him in she like wants to play with him and like that's so mainly sweet. because and this is very important her dad was neglecting her don't be in a horror movie and neglect your kids. Your kids are going to end up dead. Yeah, I guess you're right about that. I mean, uh, I mean, that's one lesson we can take away from, like, Halloween. You know, John Carpenter is like, don't abandon the kids. Don't leave them anywhere because the minute you do, bad things are going to happen. I feel like the kids survived in that movie. But all the way back here in Frankenstein, they killed the kid. And they killed the kid. It was an accident. Like, Frankenstein, the monster didn't really know what he was doing. Jeffrey is literally ran through every name and misnomer that was possible before settling on Jeffrey, like we agreed upon at the beginning. <laughs> Jeffrey. Jeffy boy. And honestly, like, I find this scene so, like, confusing. Like, I understand, like, contextually and, like, you know, spiritually or whatever what this scene means. But she starts screaming that he's hurting her he when he just picks her up 
And then she drowns in about, like, what I'm going to assume is two feet of water. And if you get hurt by people just, you know, touching you and then getting thrown into two feet of water, you deserve to die. I'm sorry. That's a pretty hot take. I'm going to call Child Protective Services right now, even though you don't have a kid. <laughs> Look, listen to me. Uh, even a baby, even a baby would know to float. Like, so so this bitch just doesn't float? I am... Is that the new tagline for it? So this, this bitch, bitch doesn't, just float? doesn't float? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> I just, like, what is that? Don't do this. <laughs> this bitch just doesn't float. It works for lots of things. It could be for Jaws, the Titanic. Oh, God, what <laughs> have we this done? This bitch just doesn't float. Oh, my God. Oh, no. No, stop this now. <laughs> no, but, like, seriously, like, she she drowned in two feet of water? Look, Fuck you, you deserve to be dead. <laughs> uh, I don't know, maybe Frankenstein took all the good buoyant parts of the bodies from the region? I, I don't know, I, I guess her dad's alive, uh, so he's not dead. I, I, I don't know. So, this is where we get to see a little bit of the town, um... This is where we get to see some of the town's folk. We get to see the prepping for the wedding. I feel really good for Frankenstein, just despite the things that have happened to him. Uh, he and Elizabeth, you know, getting married and all. And um, that's a really nice scene. I really yeah. just feel like this town could be any given town in Wisconsin. Exactly. People just you know, sw swigging beer, wearing lederhosen, screaming in the town square, like playing fiddles, I guess, is what they're playing. Yeah, actually, this scene was the first time I remembered, like, oh, yeah, this place plays in Germany. Yes, it absolutely does. <laughs> and you forget about that until they kind of randomly mention it from time to time. True. Because I guess back in 1931, they didn't bother to, like, get German actors or at least have the actors pretend for five seconds. Yeah, they didn't do an awful lot of that in Dracula either. I feel like for most of the movie taking place in London, it's not really clear that they're British people at all. No, not at all. And so it's just like, yeah, I, I feel like they could have tried a little bit more in the accents department or maybe maybe the cultural department. Yeah, I don't know if it was like an expectation that they wanted to see the American actors doing this story. Maybe like a similar thing you'd see in theater. But I feel like even in live theater, people really try to do accents as best as they can. Can, right i mean you're the expert oh yeah me. oh yeah i mean like i remember i was in a production of brigadoon uh just like everybody else who's ever done theater and um i had to learn how to do a do a scottish bro i'm not gonna do it here because that was uh four years ago and i was bad at it then i'll be even worse at it now at least we're all honest with where we stand on exits yeah i mean like you know I can do a really bad British accent, just like everybody else, but that's about it. I'll work on my accents for you guys. How about that? You know, maybe we should just have an accent. Maybe when we do the Master of Disguise, we could just do it in a bunch of different voices, huh? Um, please don't make me watch Master of Disguise. I feel like that is a movie that, despite coming out in, like, the early 2000s, I think, has aged extremely poorly. Um, y yes, that movie had aged poorly by the time it reached, like, the shelves. And theaters. Mm. It, it's kind of like a uh, Big Joe's Purple Glug whiskey. Like, it's it's never going to be good. You can't let it sit for any amount of time. It's just not going to be good. All right. I, I've gone far enough down the rabbit hole on Master of Disguise to <laughs> need to do any more. So, accents. We'll get them. This next scene was really, really important to the memory of the Frankenstein franchise because the angry mob has been huge throughout all of pop culture. 
Yes, and you know you could see that anywhere from Beauty and the Beast to uh, any time they go back to olden times and uh, they start to find out that the pe- that the person that time travel back in time is like some sort of witch, and they're like, "We're gonna burn them." Yeah, um, or you could just turn on your TV and you know you just see an angry mob. Like there's CNN, there's CNNBC, there's Fox News. All these guys just running around an angry mob with torches and pitchforks. Yeah, but those guys were mad that like their penises were white. I don't remember why those guys were mad. Uh, um, yeah, Frankenstein did them dirty. But yeah, so the angry mob is just like a staple now, and like it's very, very. Anytime I've seen it, it's been very closely copied from this movie. It has been. And I think even in like kids cartoons, I mean, it really makes an appearance just about anywhere. It's like, I don't want to call it a cliche, but I think it kind of is, you know, it it is in a way where it's like, are you in an old timey place? Are all the townsfolk mad about something? Mob. Yeah, they do it in Shrek as well. Yeah. Like I said, are they angry? Mob. This big green hung like a horse monster running amok. It's just like the parallels are endless. The parallels are just endless. Are Shrek and Frankenstein in the same universe? Ooh, now that's an interesting concept. He lives in fairy tale end, so it's not completely off the table. It's not completely off the table. Maybe if there was some sort of dark fantasy land. Anyway, we can write that fanfiction later. Hmm, yes. It's going to be like an edgy Shrek. Oh, no. Edgier Shrek? Edgier Shrek? All right, enough of this, enough of this. So they get the dogs out, they get the pitchforks out, they get the torches out, they go out in the countryside. Uh, Frankenstein actually takes part in the mob, mostly because of the attack on Elizabeth that kept them from getting married that day. Um, I seem to remember Elizabeth maybe getting killed by Frankenstein's monster in certain versions of this. Maybe it's Bride of Frankenstein or whatever the follow-ons are. Yeah, I, I think I think depending on what version you're watching, I think he does end up killing her. Or it's it's usually one or the other because it's like you know you have to go down with your creation or like you know you can't just create life there's consequences to that Mm, it's almost like people don't think about having kids before they have them yeah i mean if you really want to view this movie as a uh cautionary tale about when and when not to have children i mean it's there yeah you know it's just the facts man if you don't want big rampaging monsters ruining your house don't have kids because they will turn 14 one day and that's when it's going to start with the roid rage and all of all of it yes the smelling like death (laughs) smelling like death. the growls inexplicably coming up from their basement room oh man so uh poor dr frankenstein here he kind of has to face his problems huh Oh, yeah, he literally fights the monster UFC style. <laughs> Just steel cage match. Uh, yeah, like I'm feeling like an Anderson Silva situation here where like someone's just like got really good ground game. Uh, you know, Frankenstein's got the boxing advantage for sure. He's got the reach, you know what I'm saying? He's got the weight, too. <laughs> Float like a honeybee dick like a stinger. Oh, uh, what? <laughs> just, he can't do anatomically incorrect parts. Like, he has to use human parts. <laughs> You know, you know, Frankenstein's monster, Jeffrey, he's got a big dick. I thought you were saying that he put a bee stinger on his pelvis. <laughs> no, I'm saying his dick's like a stinger. I don't want, I, I liked it better when I thought it was anatomically incorrect. Oh my god, can we bring can we bring this in for a landing? Of, of course we can. So, uh, the movie comes to a head at the mill scene. This is maybe one of the more famous things from this movie, and it is quite a show. Like, considering what they had to work with and what they were doing in movies at the time, this was a lot. 
Like there was a lot going on on this. Uh, there was a lot going on on screen. Yeah, I mean, like you know, you're seeing how the windmill works. It, it it looks legit. Like I don't know how windmills work, but like that's what I'd what I'd imagine the inside of a windmill looks like. Windmills, man, how do they work? Um, I don't know. The government won't give us money to find out. Um, but you know, there's a lot going on. You know, Frankenstein is trying to escape from the monster, but uh, of course, the monster uses his big dick energy to get frankenstein and uh throw him out of a window yeah that part was a lot like i think there's there's a lot of stuff that did get cut from this movie but the fact that that is in the cut that we're seeing today astounds me because he like ragdolls like he uh, you remember those like vines where like bad stuff would happen to be like oh no he did oh he did like that, that, that yeah. that's one of those things. Like this guy just like potato sacks over the the windmill blade. Oh no, he he like he he becomes the bread in a windmill human sandwich. Ugh. Like like he like he snaps on this thing, and then we're supposed to believe that he's alive. I like literally when I saw this, I was like, oh god! Like just like even today, like, god looking damn. at that. It's like a live leak video where like bad things happen to people, except like a movie screen and there's a monster screaming on top. <laughs> you know, I cannot believe we've gone this whole episode without talking about the noise, the infamous Frankenstein growl. Um, very much like a, I, outside of the context of talking about Frankenstein, would not do this voice in public. Really would not. Uh, I feel like people um, will assume things about you. It's um, it's a little offensive, and I don't know if uh. It was intentional or not, or like what? What would it? What would a humanoid figure sound like if, like, they don't know how to talk, but they've got like these adult mouths and they hear other people talking, so they want to join in? It probably sound like, like I don't know. Like I mean, I I guess it's not offensive. I mean, I don't know. I mean, eh, in the spirit of not offending anybody, because this is not really something that you can like. It's, it's nobody's fault that people are like this, but he is infantile, and there are people even that are adults that are infantile, and I do think that it would be a little offensive to go around in public making that noise. So, so don't yeah. don't do it. Don't yeah, use don't the do R it. word. Yeah, exactly. We we won't use that on this podcast. Of all the things that we will and won't talk about, we're not going to use the R word on this podcast. No, my mom smacked the shit out of me for using that word when I was a kid. So I learned, regardless of the noises that Frankenstein makes, um, he, he dies. So he, he does can't, die. So he can't make those noises anymore. <laughs> um, I guess so he can't offend anyone anymore. Yeah, and uh, the ending scene from the version that I saw, which as far as I understand is the standard like go-to version, uh, Frankenstein does survive the fall and goes on to marry Elizabeth. There are versions where he doesn't survive, clearly, and Mm -hmm. those versions cause a lot of controversy when they were both seen, because it's like, well, how are the sequels making any sense if both of these versions of the movies exist where Frankenstein, you know, Henry Frankenstein is not alive in one of them, but he is alive in the other one? Yeah, it's kind of like all the various Halloween sequels where uh, nobody cared. True. And, like, all the stories converge until, like, John Carpenter had to come back and make a sequel, you know, like, some odd years later. Yeah, I just... Another cash-grabby thing, I don't think that all the Halloween movies were necessarily cash-grabs. I don't think that all of the Universal Monster movies were necessarily cash-grabs, but I think at least it's safe to say that these original-run films, like, you know, your Dracula, Frankenstein, Wolfman, like, your 
original releases are all very wholesome, or at least I'm hoping they are, because so far I've only seen Dracula and Frankenstein, and I've been really, really impressed with both of them. It's a different era, man. It's it's a different way of making films. Like they they don't make films like this anymore. No, they really don't. I mean, I know that they're based on theatrical productions, you know, like plays, but like they really do a good job still of capturing kind of the literary nature. Like it's complex. Like there's an element of like self-hatred around the monster and like confusion and like misunderstanding and the kind of the dark places that that can take people or in the monster's case, non-people too. And it kind of sets a different circumstance where if things were different, maybe we would be sympathetic to some people the way that we're sympathetic toward the monster, or maybe you're not sympathetic toward the monster in any way. And maybe that is reflective of a worldview that you hold. It's do you accept others that are different than you? And, and do um, you throw kids into lakes? And do you throw kids in the lakes? Um, only if they look weak and like I could beat them up. Mm, your bloodline is weak and you will not survive the winter. Exactly. Like I, I feel like, Frankenstein to the world of favor like this girl drowned from being touched and being put in two feet of water I will forever fight you on this I think Maria did nothing wrong I think it was a tragic accident and oh, rip oh, Frankenstein's no, 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 no. monster and Maria she, she did nothing wrong she's a child I'm blaming the parents if you know your bloodline's that weak don't have kids or don't live next to a lake or don't live next to a lake lots of problems here you also ignored the shit out of your kid hope that feels good so is this like the, uh, we'll call it the 19th century equivalent of leaving your kid in a hot car? I guess so, but to be fair to her dad, he did not know that um, a monster was going to come out of the woods and try to play with his daughter. I think that at that point in time, you don't know what's in the woods at any given moment, so maybe they should have been more cautious. There were wolves just chilling. You know, Dracula didn't Coyotes. take that far from this. There's all kinds of stuff out there that could hurt your kid. There's probably a bear or two out there, too. So, like, come on now. Like, I get the, just, like, a different time and place, and kids were expected to be tough. But if kids are expected to be tough, then, like, maybe they should be able to swim. Yeah, exactly. Like, why doesn't she know how to swim? Anyway, we've spent a long time on this. Yes. Uh, any closing thoughts, John? Yes. Um, going back to the Frankenstein growl again, um, I just think it was really interesting how Bela Lugosi turned down the role because the makeup is going to be covered in makeup. It's going to be turned into like a, a like a, a non-speaking role. He's truly just going to be the monster, and that wasn't appealing to him. But I think that the Frankenstein roar or growl is every bit as iconic as like the Dracula thing. You know, like it very well could have been both, and I think he really missed the boat. I think he oh, yeah, really turned is, out something is, big. This is considered, like, the biggest mistake of his career. He could have been both of the biggest Universal monsters. And he turned it down because he didn't want to be a quote-unquote scarecrow. And then he ended up being typecast as Dracula and Dracula-ish characters for the rest of his career, more or less. Yeah, and it's... I mean, that's what happened. Like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, with the mobs. Like, you know, I got a guy. I got a guy. You, you want a monster? You you want a monster? I got a guy. Bella Gosley, right here. We keep him in a cage. We keep him in a cage so he keeps that monster quality about him. <laughs> just, you're suggesting that Universal just keeps the actors in cages in the back. Kind of like when you're a kid and you don't realize that teachers have lives outside of school and you just think they, like, go sleep in the school. <laughs> Unlike uh, Chuck E. Cheese, where you imagine, like, all the Chuck E. Cheese characters having a life outside of the stage show, when in reality, they are only ever at that stage show. Like, 
how is it so hard for kids to understand at a young age that like teachers are adults just like their parents are adults? Um, because teachers have like this special thing about them, I guess, like where it's like, oh, or, or maybe it's because they don't understand what like public and your house is, which would make sense for a lot of kids why they act the way they do in public. So maybe like they think they're going to the teacher's house and like all the teachers live in this big commune. That is the school. So it's like Lord of the Flies, but like a real thing and sponsored by the government? Exactly. Huh. I never thought about it that way. That's creepy and I never want to think about it again. And I really don't want to think about them keeping Bella Lugosi in a cage. <laughs> I could have been an opera singer. <laughs> What's he? <laughs> I don't fucking know. Oh my god. Well, th- th- we're gonna have to call it quits just about here. Do you have anything else for us, Zach? Any little nuggets of wisdom to drop on us and our faces? Um, no, but I do want to tell you guys uh, to check out our Facebook page for n- news updates about new episodes, memes, and of course, John's beautiful cocktail recipes. Each cocktail recipe has a description, um, the recipe, and a picture of it so that you know what it looks like when you fuck it up. You're and- welcome. And also follow us on Twitter at Inflammation for You. Mm. And uh, like John said, I think that that's going to about do it for this episode of For Your Inflammation. I'm Zach. And I'm John. Go watch a movie. 